Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? On this week's episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, we are going to cover this week's news and rumors, and we will also just briefly touch on this upcoming NFL Combine, so we'll talk about some prospects that we want to see how they do in the Combine, see if it will potentially affect how teams feel about them, but we can start with league news here, and Jeff, some big news with the NFL salary cap, what, what's this news? So, the 2024 salary cap is set to 20. 20- $255.4 million. That is a $30 plus million dollar increase from 2020. Alex, should we thank Taylor Swift for, for this? Well, I think they factored out her number to be in the hundreds of millions of dollars that she helps contribute this year. <laughs> so partially that, partially COVID makeup um, as well, as well as all of these deals with Amazon and these other streaming services as well. So big increase, not likely to increase this much next year. So all these teams that are over the cap are definitely going to be looking to take advantage of it this off season. Yeah. And we say that the increase may not be as big next year. The dollar amount increase might be the same, but the percentage increase will, may never be what this was again. This was a pretty large percentage increase. Because obviously, as the cap goes up, a 10% increase next year would be $25 million. So, like, it's not the same as it was when it was $180 million. So, I would expect, um, I would expect maybe somewhere between 15 and $20 million going forward for the cap increases. But uh, the huge cap increases, as you mentioned, leave only seven teams over the cap. The first one of those teams is the San Francisco 49ers. They're about $3 million over the cap. The Dallas Cowboys are $4 million over the cap. Cleveland, who has their $250 million quarterback, <clears throat> they're $8 million over the cap, which that could be easily rectified by just uh, doing a uh, contract modification with Deshaun Watson. Denver is $19 million over the cap. That's not really going to change when they decide what they're going to do with Russell Wilson because that cap's pretty much set for this year. The Chargers are $25 million over. Miami is $28 million over. New Orleans is $31 million over. And Buffalo is $41 million over. So not the big numbers that we're used to and not the amount of teams that we're used to being over the cap. Do you think um, any of these teams are in trouble right now, or do you think they all could relatively easily get underneath the cap if they had to tomorrow? The teams that are in the most trouble, in my opinion, are Cleveland and Denver, just because the quarterbacks there are getting paid an astronomical amount of guaranteed money, and it's going to be difficult to move on from them because I don't think either one of them has lived up to the trade value that they gave up as well as the contract value that they're both getting. It seems like Denver's leaning towards just pulling the ripcord now and suffering the consequences. And it seems like Cleveland is probably going to give it at least another season. Um, I don't think that it necessarily helps them now, and I don't know if they'll find a better quarterback right now either. So I kind of see them 
treading water right now, especially Denver, whereas Cleveland could potentially go back to the playoffs again with Deshaun Watson. That's just where I feel about how I feel about those two teams. New Orleans, I don't know how they keep working their salary cap magic. I think before all of this, at some point, they were like $130 million over the cap or something ridiculous like that. With the cap going up, with all the reworkings that they're doing, somehow they're only down to $31 million and they should be able to get under that. I don't know how they do it every year. It's just magic, but uh, I'm not as worried about Buffalo. I think Buffalo will figure it out. These other teams like Dallas and San Francisco, I think they'll, they're pretty close um, to getting under. Jeff, are there any of these teams that you're worried about? Nope. No, I, I don't think they're going to have to cut anything crazy either. I think if they all wanted to be under the cap tomorrow, they could be with their teams the way that they are. So that's pretty amazing at this point in the offseason. And we'll see kind of what happens here as uh, the offseason moves on because we're going to have a bunch of players that are available via free agency coming up very shortly. Free agency starts on, well, it starts a few days before this, but free agency officially happens on March 13th. So I think on March 11th, they can start discussing deals and that is a little less than two weeks away at this point and we will see if the salary cap at some point is a real thing or if it's all just an illusion but one of the teams that we are all and i mean everyone is interested in finding out what they do in the offseason the kansas city chiefs one of the teams that we feel like could sign a veteran free agent uh, wide receiver it looks like they're actually going to use their cap space to try to resign chris jones uh, the defense tackle and their Corner Sneed as well. They're, they've already told Sneed that if they don't work out a contract, they're going to tag him. This could be a tagging trade, so maybe they'll clear that money back up again. But it doesn't look like they'll have the money to sign a veteran free agent wide receiver. And a lot of people have talked about Mike Evans going there, or we talked about uh, Gabriel Davis potentially going there. And are yeah. there a real possibility for a veteran wide receiver if this is the case? Uh, what do you think, Jeff? No, I think it totally makes a lot of sense. Now, whether or not they do it, that's another another story. But uh, the the Bills losing Davis and the Chiefs scooping Davis would be a very Kansas City Chiefs move, in my opinion. Um, they just scooped the Bills punter in the last couple of days. But we'll see if they resign Chris Jones and, and, and resign Snead. I do think it's a distinct possibility because I do think when you're a dynasty, that people do want to get paid, but there is some sort of prestige that comes along with playing as part of a dynasty as well. But MVS could easily be cut as well. Gabe Davis is a younger, cheaper, better option than MVS at this point, in my opinion. Um, And they already have a number one receiver in the making with Rasheed Rice at this point, in my opinion. Like, I saw the stat the other day that he dropped a total of three passes this year, and this was the most pass prone team in the NFL this past season. So it's kind of amazing that their rookie only dropped three passes out of like 130 some targets. So he seems to be the real deal. He's at least a wide receiver two and might even end up being a wide receiver one. And it looks like they're probably going to pick up the uh, his usage going into next year, even if they had more wide receiver help. So kudos to everyone out there who was able to grab him last year in Dynasty Drafts. But one of uh, one of the fantasy community's favorite targets for the Chiefs to get, Mike Evans, looks like he might be staying with the Buccaneers. Uh, the head coach, the GM, everyone's talked about they're trying to keep Mike Evans 
with uh, in Tampa, and they're trying to do what they can to pay him and keep him there. Mike Evans is a pretty loyal guy. He's talked about wanting to stay in Tampa as well. So that's most likely going to be the case. Uh, I don't see the Chiefs being able to pay market value for him if he decided to leave. So that leaves potentially Carolina if the Buccaneers don't work out for whatever reason. But, Jeff, what are the odds at this point, in your opinion, that he stays with the Buccaneers? Uh, I think it's pretty great at this point because I don't think he wants to leave. I don't think they want him to leave. If it's just down to dollars and cents, they'll eventually come to an agreement, if I had to guess. But we'll see. They always have the franchise tag at their disposal. They haven't applied it to anybody yet. I don't think that they'll tag Evans. I don't think they'll go back on tagging him. But as we found out today, there's teams like the Giants that went back on saying that the tag wasn't an option on Barkley. So now the, the tag is back on the table with Saquon Barkley. So until the tag deadline passes, I don't ever fully believe that a player is untaggable until that passes. What about T. Higgins with, uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals? <laughs> that was the quickest trigger in the West, or I guess the Northwest. Uh, Jeff? Is he going to stay there? Are they going to trade him? What do you think is happening at this point with T. Higgins and the Bengals? So I think that T. Higgins is in limbo right now. I know that's not really helpful. So I think that if the Bengals had a choice, they would be, number one, they would keep T. Higgins at their price. I think, number two, they would keep T. Higgins on the one-year franchise tag. They did the same. Um, I think the third option for them is to trade him away. The Bengals GM has made it very clear that there is a pie, and for him to be in the pie, it's going to be challenging. So it's it comes down to, to actual dollars and cents, and spending 40% of their cap on two receivers and a quarterback, that may not be the number one formula for winning in the NFL. Maybe all they need. I don't know. Maybe. But... We'll see. But uh, what do you think happens with Mr. Higgins? I think there's a good chance he stays there for a season and he, and he plays somewhere else next year. Yeah, I think uh, they could always trade him at the deadline, too. I mean, that mm -hmm. was an option going into this year when Burrow got hurt. And I'm a little surprised that they didn't do it. But Well, Higgins was hurt, too. So that kind of hurt his trade value. Yeah. But there will be a team out there willing to pay him as a number one. So... I think he would be a little foolish to take less to stay with the Bengals at this point. Well, teams might just be waiting for bigger dominoes to follow. Uh, to, to fall. <laughs> teams might be waiting for bigger dominoes to fall. And that bigger domino seems to be Minnesota's wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. There are rumors and speculation that he may be available for the right price, which would have to be huge. And this would be if Minnesota can't resign him. And if they can't resign Kirk Cousins, who may be going to Atlanta as an option instead of Minnesota. But Justin Jefferson, in the right scenario, could be traded. And that would dictate basically any kind of wide receiver trade because everyone would be waiting for him first. Jeff, do you think it's likely that Justin Jefferson's on the move? Ooh, I think it's less than 25% chance that he moves because I just don't know uh, Justin Jefferson's don't grow on trees, um, but Minnesota does need to get their quarterback situation figured out first, or you're never going to get Justin Jefferson to sign the long-term deal. He'll just keep playing on the franchise tags until he's a free agent or the team trades him. So we'll see. I don't think the team trades him this year, especially if they re-sign Kirk Cousins. So 
I think that option goes away this year, the moment that they bring Kirk Cousins back. As you were just talking about Atlanta, I think Atlanta's the only other option for Kirk Cousins this offseason. Um, he's got ties to Atlanta. He got married in Atlanta. There is coaching and there is stadium advantages because I do believe that he likes to play in a dome. So I just see that Atlanta or Minnesota being the two most likely spots for Kirk Cousins at this exact juncture. But uh, there are rumors that Minnesota could consider trading Justin Jefferson. I just don't know if I completely buy it just yet or if there's teams that are just trying to drum up interest outside of Minnesota or if there's beat writers just trying to stay relevant right now. So it's just something to think about. Where do you think he would go if he was being traded? Well, he's going to follow Kirk Cousins, of course. Yeah, so Kirk Cousins signs with uh, the Falcons. The Falcons immediately trade for Justin Jefferson, right? Absolutely. Um, I could see him. There was people on social media today that were trying to get people to believe that there's smoke around Kansas City. Now, that's very attractive and, and everything, just because you'd have the best quarterback and the best wide receiver playing together. And obviously, that's very attractive for obvious reasons. But I don't see it happening. But it's just one of those things that we're throwing out there. And uh, that would be a fun place for him to go, because I think there's nobody beating Kansas City with Justin Jefferson and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey next year. Yeah, I, I would agree. But I don't think he'd be going there. I think he'd probably be going to... The Bears, if he consented to it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, probably like the Bills or something, um, if that were to happen. But speaking of the Falcons, they released superstar tight end Johnny Smith, everyone's favorite fantasy tight end. No? He's not your favorite tight end, Johnny Smith? No, no I didn't even know who he was until you just mentioned him. <laughs> That's such a lie. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know he's one of Every, your favorites. Everyone's, uh, everyone's bane of their existence, if they were... Kyle Pitts owners uh, kept stealing targets away from Kyle Pitts, who apparently played through some serious knee injuries. So makes sense why they had Johnny Smith so prevalent. But Johnny Smith has been one of those tight ends who's on the cusp of being a legitimate starter, but just couldn't get the consistency going, couldn't keep the, the production up. Did okay at Tennessee early in his career, got a huge payday with New England, did nothing in New England, and then resurfaced with his old coach. In, in Atlanta and did okay. So maybe he'll catch on somewhere and be a borderline starter. But he saves them some money, especially if they need that money to sign Kirk Cousins. I don't think he was a necessity in that offense. And that, to me, tells me that Kyle Pitts is probably healthier and will be more of a focal point this season, potentially. So is it good for the Falcons all around, Jeff? I think it is. Um, obviously, that really depends on the quarterback situation in Atlanta. So they have to really get that solved and kind of quickly. The head coach, the new head coach, Raheem Morris, went on record today saying that he probably would not be the head coach if they had good quarterback play. So that does not sound like Desmond Ritter will be even on the roster next year. So we'll see what that means. But um, where do you think Janu goes? I think that your one of your shares might take a hit here, Alex, in the next couple of, of days or weeks. There's, a, there's two options that make sense for different reasons. Uh, Steelers make sense if he reunites with Art Smith. He's the coordinator there now. He was the head coach last year for the Falcons. So he could join him there. It doesn't make sense in the standpoint where they already have Friar Muth and they have Darnell Washington, who I think both are better tight ends at this point in their careers than Johnny Smith. What would make sense to me is him going back to Tennessee 
or going to the Colts. Both of them potentially have need at tight end. So I would go there if I was him and have a chance to potentially start. But those are those are the only two or three places that I would see him going to. We'll see. But uh, yeah, your Pat, Pat Fryer move shares may take a little bit of a hit next week. So it is something to look out for. He just seems like with a with Smith, he just he just takes targets away. Like there's no other way to put it. I think he's a lower end quality tight end in the NFL. I don't know if he'll be super fantasy relevant wherever he goes, but his best chance of being fantasy relevant is probably in Indianapolis. Yeah, they already have three got just jags, so I think you're adding another jag to uh to that. All right. Jeff. Did the Rams just sign uh quality wide receiver? The Rams brought back their stud from last year, Demarcus Robinson. He made some he he actually overtook Tutu Atwell on the depth chart to move up to the number three receiver for the Rams. And they are a much higher passing offense. So you might think that there's Cup and Puka and then there's Robinson. And I think Robinson was looked at in the red zone a lot last season. So they, he, he did sign a one-year $4 million deal. And I think this is a pretty good signing for the Rams at this exact point. They don't have a ton of cap space. They're keeping some of their guys. They're keeping the guys that their quarterback likes and um they're they're just trying to build around the offense right now. Obviously they got Kyron Williams coming back, they got Puka, they got Cup, you know, Demarcus Robinson, Higby. They got a lot coming back next year just on offense. So if they continue to nail the draft, they're a contender next year at this at, at, from what I believe. Like they nailed the draft last year. I don't know how else to put it. Nailed the draft with what little draft picks they had. I think that Demarcus Robinson is a depth signing. I don't know that he'll be that much of a contributor this season if Cooper Cup and Puka are both healthy and playing well, but it is a low-risk, high-reward signing for both Demarcus Robinson himself and for the Rams because if he does pan out, um, he'll get a bigger payday next year, and the Rams will look good signing a wide receiver for that cheap who is pretty effective. So it's a good win-win for both of them, and uh, I think it's probably Demarcus Robinson's best chance to compete, at least be the third wide receiver uh, on a team. So, worth noting. But what's also worth noting is we have a completely different scenario in the running back free agent marketplace. There are a lot of veterans that are going to hit free agency because it looks like no one definitively is being tagged at the running back position. I know we briefly touched earlier that the Giants have not ruled out tagging Barkley as of yet, but it seems like everyone else is not going to be tagged. So we're very curious about that. Jeff, is that the right decision for the teams out there? So not tagging Barkley, not tagging Pollard, not tagging Henry, not tagging Josh Jacobs, not tagging Eckler. Are are these the correct decisions? I mean, considering what it would cost to tag Barkley, and Jacobs, that would roughly be 4 to 5% of the salary cap. And if these guys are guys that touch the ball two, three, four hundred times in the season between catches and rushes, obviously, I don't have to say this, but 4 to 5% of the cap for a guy that touches the ball that much is, is more than reasonable. But that's just the way that the running back position is going. I do believe that someone will do well for the running backs this year. I don't know who it'll be. I don't know if it'll be 
Um, I don't know if it'll be Barkley with the Chargers. I don't know if it'll be Barkley with the Texans. But someone's going to have to pay Barkley because Barkley's a young. He's a good receiving back, so he does it all. He's very versatile. And uh, I think Jacobs is another guy that could get paid pretty well this offseason, maybe even with a team like the Dallas Cowboys. So there are options out there uh, to get paid. It's just they just need one or two suitors that want to bid against each other. And I think it's possible. Maybe. But the fact that they're not being tagged means these teams don't think that these guys are worth twelve, thirteen, fourteen million dollars for one season. And that tells me they're probably going to get either cheaper deals per season or less guaranteed money per season. Because as we know, the franchise tag is fully guaranteed money. And there's a lot of risk with running backs that break down and teams don't want to be on the hook for an, an aging or a running back breaking down. Absolutely. Um, I still think that Saquon has like three to four good years in him, and I think that Josh Jacobs could as well. And they're still young enough at this point. Um, do you think that um, you think a team will take some ch- a chance on one of them? Actually, Barkley's 27. He just turned 27. I don't really like that. I, I think teams are going to take chances on all of these running backs. And to me, the one that I think is an interesting scenario I didn't think about previously, but Derrick Henry going to Miami would be very interesting because I've said for a while they need a bigger back to, to offset the slider guys that they have. And that would just be pretty interesting to me for him going there. Barkley makes a lot of sense. Coming back to the Giants, going to the Texans, going to the Chargers. Those are the three places that make the most sense for him. Josh Jacobs, either staying with the Raiders, going to Dallas. Uh, those are the two spots. I mean, maybe someone could go to Minnesota. I mean, that's a possibility. They certainly need assistance up there. But what do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't put it out of the question for Josh Jacobs to sign a four-year, $60 million deal with the Cowboys. Uh, and have like the first two guaranteed because that guarantees age 26 season, age 27 season, and they could have them age 28 if they still want him. So, and that only puts them on the hook for 30 mil. So, it is possible. All right. Well, we have a potential defensive rumor, Jeff. I know we don't talk about defense that often, but there's been a lot of speculation, a lot of talk that multiple teams have reached out to the Chargers and are interested in trading for. Khalil Mack if the Chargers are moving on from him. Jeff, that's one way to clear up the cap, and that's another way to uh, get some draft picks and retool around Justin Herbert and the new head coach Harbaugh. Like, what do you think of this? these rumors? Do you think that Mack could be traded? Do you think he will be? What do you think? So Mack could easily be traded. Um, I don't know if he will be, though. Uh, the cap upgrade to 255 put the Chargers only 25 million over right now and that's pretty much cutting Mike Williams and restructuring the rest and you'd have enough cap to sign Barkley if you wanted to so I think it will be interesting to see what the Chargers do here because I don't think that they're going from a position of need to get rid of anybody anymore so it it kind of changes the outlook and the asking price for Khalil Mack because I think before we knew what the cap was, we thought there was a chance that they had to get rid of a few of these guys. Now, I think that's changed a little bit. I don't think they have to get rid of anybody. They will get rid of whoever they feel is dead weight, but that changes the asking price for Khalil Mack. Now, 
it's nice to get rid of him and get his cap off of the books, but it's not, we don't need to anymore. So now it's a want. And now a team that wants him is going to have to pay more for him, in my opinion. But uh, we'll see. I think he might still command like a round of first, late first round, early second round pick for Khalil Mack at this point in his career. Pass rushers do not grow on trees. I know he's getting up there in age. I mean, I know how old Khalil Mack is because I did go to the same school as Khalil Mack did. He actually started a year after I graduated. So it, it it's uh, so I do understand that Khalil Mack's getting up there in age, but he can still get after the quarterback. So that is something teams will still find valuable. Watch a team like the 49ers trade for him because that, that feels like the 49ers stock up on all of the pass rushers that are available. I think he'd be more effective than Chase Young, so I think that would be a solid <laughs> opportunity for them. Um, they they do, and they can fit him under the cap somehow. You know, this would be the third time Khalil Mack would be traded if, if he ends up getting traded. First time was for two firsts and a third. Second time, I think, was for a second and a third. So I would suspect... He'd probably at least be available for a second round pick, is my guess. So agreed. Well, Jeff, one of your favorite quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, and the Denver Broncos are headed for a divorce, despite Russell Wilson having eighty something million guaranteed, or I guess the cap hit would be eighty million if it's before June. After June, that's split between two years. Do you think uh, anyone is interested in Russell Wilson's services? Because there was a report that the GM stated no one has called regarding Russell Wilson. So to you, does that mean no one's interested in Russell Wilson? Or does that mean no one's interested in his current contract? Or does that mean the Broncos are not moving on from Wilson? What do you think the most likely scenario is? Honestly, Alex, I have no idea what is going on here. I do know that his five-year, $242 million deal that he signed two years ago goes into effect this offseason. So he's got five years, $242 million on his contract. and I don't think a team would trade for that. I could be completely wrong. Um, just so we're very clear, his two. 2024 bonus of 22 million becomes fully guaranteed and is due on 317 of 2024. So that is St. Patrick's Day, that is 3 weeks away. So the post June cut really doesn't apply to Russell, so they're going to have to eat the full dead cap this year. And that is disgusting in my opinion. So the Broncos need to start figuring something out and figuring something out really quickly because if they have him on the roster past a certain date, more of his money becomes guaranteed. So, and that's March 17th, which is well before June. So you can't do a transactional release for June and have it be after the date where his money would have been guaranteed because I feel like that would be a cause for NFLPA issue. But, uh, but yeah, I think the Broncos are over a barrel on this one. Yeah, I think that this trade did not work out in the Broncos' favor, and I don't know what the best way is to actually resolve the situation. If it was me, I mean, I, I would have to keep Russell for probably two years to be able to part with him. Is the most logical thing if you're actually going by cap ramifications. That they obviously, uh, I think Sean Payton just can't stand him and wants to move on from him. So, honestly, I really don't get it. But uh, 
I guess there's something going on there. If the Broncos do keep Russ this year, his dead cap hit next year would only be $49 million, and his cap hit's 55 So they would actually save $6 million by waiting a year and cutting him next year against the cap. We'll see what they end up doing. Um, but this former team, the Seattle Seahawks, they were asked about Geno Smith and Drew Locke's futures, and they didn't really give any definitive answers. And it seems like one or both of them could be gone, and the other one might only be around for potentially one season. Jeff, what do you think's happening in Seattle? I think they're finally realizing that Geno Smith is not a hold-the-trophy guy. And I know you have been shouting from the mountaintops about how good Geno Smith was in his comeback player of the year season, but he was not able to replicate it the following season. So in my opinion, he was a one-hit wonder, and I don't know if he'll ever hit that same pinnacle again. The GM kind of feels the same way because he said Gino's our starter until he isn't our starter. That tells me that they're not married to him and married to the idea of him being the starter. So if they found somebody better or they drafted someone that they believe could take over for him, they would do it in a heartbeat. Well, how they constructed his contract last offseason was a three-year deal that was really a two-year deal. And they let the guarantees kick in. So that tells me Gino is probably staying at least this season. He's probably a bridge quarterback this season. I don't think Drew Locke did enough to actually count on him being a starter at some point. So I think they draft a quarterback to sit behind Geno and potentially take over depending on his development. So I really like Michael Penix. I think that would make a lot of sense for Seattle because his coach is now on Seattle, his college coach from Washington. The head coach was the defensive coordinator for Washington at one point. So Penix makes a lot of sense. Be a lot of continuity. He would stay in the state of Washington. You'll have he would have good wide receivers to work with, good running backs to work with. It makes a lot of sense to me. He'd be available at sixteen in the draft, most likely. That would be my guess. But I don't know what they're thinking for sure. I, I definitely agree that there's gonna be some quarterback movement with Seattle coming soon. Yeah, it's uh exciting. Um the Washington Commanders also are rumored to be getting interest for quarterback, current starting quarterback, Sam Howell. Do you believe that Sam Howell is dealt, or do you believe that Sam Howell backs it up whomever they draft in this April's NFL draft? I think Sam Howell will get dealt. He's from the previous regime. I think teams like the Las Vegas Raiders and maybe even the Atlanta Falcons could potentially be interested in Sam Howell if they strike out on veteran quarterbacks, or if they strike out in the draft, I can see them moving for Sam Howell. I think he would be an improvement over what they currently have on their rosters. And I think that the supporting cast is probably better than a lot of the supporting cast in Washington. So we'll see if he can do better. I think he's either a Fitzpatrick or a Minshew or... Maybe he can be Baker Light somewhere. I don't know. Agreed. And, I mean, I like him. I think he's a miniature version of Josh Allen. I like that he's a gunslinger. I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually, like, a perfect analysis. And Ryan Fitzpatrick played on how many teams across the NFL over how many years? There's actually a commercial about it, and Kevin Hart falls asleep while he's listing all the teams that he played for. So just something to keep in mind that uh, it's very possible that Sam Howell is a – Gap starter is a 
career backup, is a uh, career clipboard holder, but uh, he's a guy that could have a 15-year NFL career. And I think Gardner Minshew is another guy that could have another a 15-year career on that same path. So it's nice to see that there's some quality backup quarterbacks in the league. And uh, especially after last year, I think we had a record amount of quarterback start games last year. So we need these players really badly. Yeah. All right. Jeff, is there going to be any new rules coming up for the season, do you think? So the competition committee is going to look at using a version of the NFL kickoff because, as we had mentioned, the NFL was disappointed at how many kicks were returned last year. So they're considering to use the XFL kickoff, which is really hard to say because it's now the UFL with the XFL conference with the USFL conference. So it's spring football has completely changed here in the last three months. So, but they're looking at using the XFL kickoff. And I believe that it's full sets of players lining up at the 30. And the only two people that can move before a kick is touched by the receiving team is the kicker and the receiver and everyone else cannot move until the ball is touched by the receiver. So we'll see if that inspires the NFL to be innovative here and really bring the kickoff back to the NFL. All for kickoffs being more interesting. All right. That leads us to the combine preview. So just briefly touch over some names that you guys should be looking out for, but we'll start by names that will be left out. So Caleb Williams, Jalen Daniels, and Drake May will not be participating in drills. My understanding is that they will be doing interviews and they'll probably do the physicals, but that's the extent. Makes sense because they're all likely to be top five picks, probably even the top three picks in the draft. There's not much for them to improve their stock, so... I get it. Uh, so we will be, from the quarterback position, be looking at J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan, Bo Nix out of Oregon, Michael Penix out of Washington, Spencer Rattler out of South Carolina, Joe Milton III out of Tennessee, Michael Pratt out of Tulane, and Jordan Travis out of FSU. Those are the most interesting of the remaining guys. There will be other quarterbacks throwing as well. Just, I don't think, in my opinion, not that many that are notable outside those guys. Wide receivers. As far as I know right now, Marvin Harrison's the only one sitting out, but he seems like a lock for a top four pick. So we'll be paying attention to quite a number of wide receivers, including Keon Coleman out of Florida State, Malachi Corley out of Western Kentucky, Troy Franklin out of Oregon. We'll be looking at Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina, Vlad McConkey out of Georgia. We'll be looking at Adani Mitchell out of Texas, Malik Neighbors. Out of LSU, Rome, Adunze out of Washington, Ricky Persall, who is a uh, media uh, talking point right now. We'll look at both USC wide receivers, Brendan Rice and Taj Washington, uh, Brian Thomas out of LSU, Devontae Walker out of North Carolina, Malik Washington out of Virginia, uh, sorry, Xavier Worthy out of Texas, Johnny Wilson out of Florida State, Roman Wilson out of Michigan, just to name several. And from the running back positions, Rasheen Ali is likely out because he tore his bicep during the Senior Bowl week. Uh, I doubt he runs any drills. So I'll try to go faster with this one. We'll be looking at 
what running backs like Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin, Trey Benson out of Florida State, Jonathan Brooks out of Texas, Blake Corum out of Michigan, Isaiah Davis out of South South Dakota State, Audric Estime out of North, Notre Dame, Frank Gore Jr. of Southern Mississippi, Bucky Irving out of Oregon, uh, Marshawn Lloyd out of USC, Cody Schrader out of Missouri, um, Jalen Wright out of Tennessee. Those are guys that I'm most interested in and could move around. Tight end is going to be pretty short because Jatavian Sanders from Texas is pretty much the only tight end that looks pretty good. So I'm just curious if any of the other guys there stand out and start to, to gain steam. So we'll be looking and seeing if any of those guys rise or fall. And we'll be talking about them leading up to the draft as well. Jeff, did any of those yeah. names sound familiar? They all sound very familiar. Um but we'll have to watch out for some medicals this weekend. Uh, as always, there always seems to be a injury or a knee that pops up, or there's an injury that can happen during the combine. So it's just we got to pay attention to that during this uh, during this process. But it'll be fun to watch. Uh, I call it the Underwear Olympics, and uh, we know that uh, it's just guys running basically in their underwear around on the fields. Um, being measured against each other. Do I Isn't necessarily? Olympics? Is it the Olympics in spandex as well? Isn't that a little yeah. bit redundant? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But uh, I don't know how helpful it is to watch forty-yard dashes, but we still do that. Um, I don't know because the fastest forty-yard dash ever was John Ross, if I'm not mistaken. Is that is that still correct? Uh, I think so. But there are. Stats from the combine that correlate to success in the NFL, not 100% of the time, but do typically indicate, um, like, broad jump. That translates for running backs, surprisingly. Weight is a big thing that translates into potential success in the NFL. Uh, For quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs, age is something that, that correlates. Quarterbacks, hand size. Um, as well as their, their cone drills or shuttle drills, for some reason. Um, those translate. I just like to see quarterbacks throw as well to see if they have a good rhythm, if they've got good accuracy throwing to wide receivers they're unfamiliar with. It's not it's not perfect, but there are definitely things that translate. Yeah, so it will be interesting to hear you break it down for us next week. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot to look at and look for during this and some of the stuff that i look for during this time is for head coaches and gms to get talking to each other about potential trades especially for players that they're considering cutting or releasing here in the next couple of weeks i expect some trades to happen between now and the beginning of the league year which uh is on three for uh three fourteen this year I think so that is coming up right around the corner. So we'll see if there's some quarterback movement with Justin Fields or Russell Wilson or Sam Howell. Uh, We'll see if there's wide receiver trades like we've talked about. So I doubt there'll be any running back trades, but we, we might be surprised for all, for all we know. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, the league year does get kicked off on March 13th. So I was one day off and uh, we will, uh, see what happens between now and march 13th all right well that does it for this episode of the never too early fantasy football podcast thank you all for downloading or listening to this episode and please don't forget to like and subscribe please leave us a comment and share the show every little bit helps 
You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves and remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Bye, everybody.